Hi, my name is Alex Beale. I'm a senior solicitor working in the employment law team in Christchurch here at Lane Eve. And with me, I've also got Fiona McMillan. She's a partner in the uh, Auckland office, also in our employment team. Hi. Uh, today, we are here to speak about the shift uh, of coming back into the office as we move down the traffic light system. Uh, this is a topic that's relevant to both employers and employees, some wanting to hold on to that flexible working arrangement while some are wanting to move back into the office full time. So today we are going to flesh that in more detail from both an employer and an employee perspective and talk about how those conversations can be framed up in a really constructive way. My first question um, for, you, for you, Fee, is what are the kind of points that you think and an employer and an employee should be preparing in advance for a conversation about working arrangements moving forward? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, Alex, because you're completely right. Um, employers and employees are starting to have that conversation now, and I guess what's, what's triggered that is we have seen, um, I guess, the rules loosened around around the red setting of, of the traffic lights um, with an indication that we're going to be moving to, to orange in, in the foreseeable future. Um, so those conversations are starting to happen in workplaces now. I guess, I guess the points that everyone's starting to consider at the moment is employers are starting to turn their mind to uh, what they want and I, th um, I think your opening comments were really good Alex about a lot of employers are pushing for a, uh, they want to go back to a pre-COVID world whatever that looks like um, whereas employees are starting to think about um, okay what, what do I want moving forward would a, would a hybrid situation work for me so I guess you've got parties at both ends of the spectrum at the moment just kind of starting to prepare their thoughts and their, and their arguments both ways Mm, no, I completely agree, Fee, and you can see there are really strong arguments going both ways, and, and it comes down to how we can have that constructive conversation as opposed to it being really polarising. 100%, 100%. Yeah. So if an employee has been working from home for a really long time, say, you know, since the first lockdown in 2020, and then an employer now wants them to come back full-time into the office, do you see any risks with that? from an employer's perspective? Yeah, so I, I guess the starting point with what we do, Alex, is always what's in the employment agreement, right? So if the employment agreement states that your place of work is the office, it's going to be really hard for an employee to say, well, look, I'm, I'm legally entitled to, to work from home moving forward. But I, I guess the flip side of that, though, is... If there has been no communication between the employer and employee throughout this period, and I guess an employer has never indicated, hey, when X happens, you've got to come back to the office, or we're going to wait for this government announcement, then you'll come back into the office. Yeah. An employee's got an argument to say, well, actually, I've been at home so long now that this is a, a term and condition of, of my employment. Now, look, that argument's really fact-dependent. It relies on the fact that there has been no communication between the parties over the last couple of years. Um, mm. But I, I think the starting point, and I think this is something that a lot of people have forgotten, is that... Um, where you work depends on what your employment agreement says. Uh, and, and nine times out of ten, that, that'll say uh, the address of, of the office. 
so in that context, do you think that perhaps if an employer and an employee were to agree that there were some days they work from home, that would actually require a variation to the terms of the employment agreement in writing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that variation can take a number of forms. Sometimes it's just an email between the parties. Uh, sometimes it's a letter um, which um, sets out the, the agreement between the parties. Um, sometimes we see the employer takes the opportunity to uh, revisit the employment agreement and get the employee to sign a new version of that. Um, mm. But the big thing is, is, Alex, and you probably know this from all your years of practice as well, unless it's in writing, mm. the risk you've got is, is, is a, a future debate on your hands. So let's get it yeah. in writing, whatever the agreement is in some shape or form. Yeah, yeah. completely agree, completely agree. And I suppose from the other side of the perspective, if an employee flat out refuses to come back into the office, what do you see are the risks for the employee there? Um, so I think it's going to depend a lot on their reason for refusing to come back in, in, into the office. But the starting mm. point is um, them saying, no, I'm not coming, coming back could be them not following a lawful instruction from their employer. Um, yeah. So I think that that could justifiably result in disciplinary action against the employee. Whether that disciplinary action was at one end of the spectrum a, a, a verbal warning or the other end of the spectrum termination of their employment, that will depend a lot, mm. I guess, on... on the paperwork between the parties, what the facts are, as I said, the reason for the person refusing. Um, mm. But as a starting point, refusing to come back in could result in, in disciplinary action. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's certainly something to keep in mind, and I think you can agree that taking a hard and fast approach from either side um, never tends to go well in those scenarios. It doesn't tend to be a fair negotiation. Oh, look, 100%, Alex, and particularly... You know, if, if this is a good employee and you're wanting this to be an ongoing employment relationship, you've, mm. you've really got to think about the position you take from the outset. But, you know, on the flip side of that, an employee putting down their foot and saying, hey, look, I'm never coming back in the office again, mm. that's not great for the employment relationship either. So, Alex, you're, you're completely right on that. Yeah. So on that same line of thought, do you think an employer needs a particular justification uh, to then expect an employee to come back into the workplace? Yeah, so look, as I said, I guess the starting point is the, uh, the place of work in the employment agreement is going to shape a lot of these um, discussions. But I guess what we've seen over the last couple of years is what triggers certain things depends on, on the government settings, right? Um, so in red at the moment, um, it states that people are um, to work from home if it's practical for them to do so. Um, so mm. a lot of workplaces like Lane Neve have said, um, hey, um, if you want to work from home, that's fine. If you want to work from the office, that's fine. So while we're in red, I think a lot of employers have taken a bit of a Lane Neve approach and, and been quite flexible about it. Um, mm. But under orange, um, people can go to work. There are no restrictions around that. So I think when we are at orange, um, there, is, there is really nothing stopping employers starting to enforce people being back in the workplace. And I, 
Like anything in the world of employment law, a, a part of it's the comms, right? So we've, mm. here at Lane Neve, we've already indicated to our staff that once we go to Orange, the expectation is that people will be back um, in the office uh, unless they've got an agreement with their boss uh, and obviously if they've got um, symptoms or they have tested positive for COVID-19. So a lot of workplaces are, are starting to, I guess, set the scene now so that people are ready when, when we go to Orange. Mm. And, and picking up on that, as we move down to Orange, we know that COVID won't have necessarily gone away by that point. It's just that for reasons um, I personally am not a medical professional, I don't entirely understand it, but for whatever reason we're going to move down so that um, we can come back into the workplace. But for those who are immunocompromised or they live in a household um, with immunocompromised members, what do you think that means about their long-term ability to work from home? Yeah, and I, I guess this, you're completely right, Alex. This is this is a bit of a complicating factor to to the hard and fast rules of the the red traffic light setting, the orange traffic light setting, etc. Um, and I guess the other thing is um, you can have all the employment laws in the world. Uh, the government can have the settings that they think are are appropriate, but employers mm. have got health and safety obligations as well. Um, yeah. And I, I would suggest to employers that if they've got employees who are raising this as an issue um, for them or, or members of their family, I think employers have, have got to take that into account and mm. be more acceptable around a working from home um, arrangement for a certain period of time. But I also accept that people have got businesses to run, right? And it, it mm. just, it might not be practical to have people at home uh, forever. Because I think, yeah. Alex, you raise a really good point. COVID's, we're not going to wake up one day and COVID's completely gone, right? Mm. We're, we're, yeah. we're always going to have to live with it to a certain degree. Um, mm. So once again, I'm going to be one of those airy-fairy employment lawyers who says it's a little bit case by case. Um, yes. But I think, like anything, and, and um, Jack and I recorded earlier a, a podcast about um, progressive employment policies, and we, we briefly yeah. touched on um, flexible working arrangements. And, and what we said there was that uh, just because you decide something today doesn't mean that it has to be forever. So if you have an immunocompromised employee who comes to you and says, hey, look, I just I know we're going to Orange, but I don't feel ready to come back. You might say to that employee, well, look, that's fine. Let's do this for another two months and let's, let's mm. reassess then. So I think it's, it's really important to continue to have, I guess, stepping stones in, in that discussion. Yeah. yeah, and picking up on that, if we talk about that being recorded in an employment agreement, I suspect um, what you're saying, Faye, is that's a really important term to have there as well, to have that ability to review Totally, forward. totally, yeah. Alex, because I think if you don't have a review period um, when it comes to your agreement in writing, without that review period, you're stuck with it forever. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Hard not to agree, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So there are some flexible working provisions under the Employment Relations Act, which perhaps you would say they were kind of untouched to some respect before COVID, but have now become more relevant. Do you see them still having a hand in, in what we're dealing with here? Yeah, look, I do. But look, I'd be interested in your experience with this, Alex. Like, I find mm. for my clients, 
they have employees who ask for flexible working arrangements, but it's it's quite rarely in the in the formal confines of what's under the Act. Do you find that as well, or have you had to deal with this a little bit? To be honest, I haven't had any clients who have said to me, I've got an employee who's referenced Section X of the Act and wants to request flexible working arrangements. Um, in my experience, that comes across, well, it comes out a lot more organically. Um, but I suppose it is good to hark back to them if an employer is asking what to do. Yeah, look, a hundred percent. And I think I think mm. um, your experience uh, matches up with mine because probably mm. um, I've dealt with flexible working requests probably about two or three times my my whole career. So yeah. um, it is rare, but you're right. I think we might see um, um, a bit of an increase, but. Um, when you floated with me that you were going to ask me about this, embarrassingly, I actually had to double check what the what the yeah. formalities are around it because, as as we've touched on, we don't get this a, a heck of a lot. Um, but to to cut a long story short, if an employer gets a, a formal um, request under the Act, um, mm -hmm. that request has to be in writing. Uh, an employer has to respond to that request um, within um, one month. Um, and when making a decision, you're, as an employer, um, you've got to take into account, I guess, why the employee is asking for this and what the needs of the business are. But in, mm. but in short, there are a number of grounds under the Act where, um, where you can decline a flexible working request. And, and one of them is loosely if it doesn't work for your business. Mm. So... I have to wonder when this was implemented. Um, I see why it was implemented, but I don't think it has. I don't think it has a lot of teeth. But um, I think you're right, Alex. I think if employees don't start to get what they want from a flexible working um, perspective, we might start to see some some more flex, um, more formal flexible working requests come through. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, I agree, Faye. Um, Fee, thank you very much for your time today and for those listening, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions about what's been discussed, you can contact a member of our employment law team.